0: Good morning to all of you. Uh, My topic supposedly is about the prayer of a leader. And and so I decided to change my title to the secret prayers of a leader. And I would like to explain why, if you don't mind. Uh, This is not Steve Hobson, Uh, he's Eugene Peterson. And he said in one of his books, uh, Working the the Angles, he said, uh, Every profession has sins to which it is specially liable. Every profession has sins to which it, it is specially liable. And as a Christian leader, and as most of you are, I believe, I think we all have the tendency, we may not, be in, we may not intend to do so, but we all have the tendency uh, to uh, trivialize prayer. Now, I don't mean to say that we don't believe in prayer, because uh, I think we all do. And I I don't want to be stoned to death here for saying that, uh, you know, we don't think prayer is important. We do. In fact, that's the problem, I think, because um, we are accustomed to prayer. And as a religious leader, of course, I get to be asked to pray, and I always pray all the time, uh, sometimes even though I'm not really prepared spiritually to pray. Perhaps you, you you can picture in your mind a common scenario, like somebody would say, Hey, Rev, or Pastor bon, would you just... You know, do the honors and pray. And they don't really ask you, are you ready to pray? Uh, They're assuming that you just pray because it's something that we all have to do because we are Christian leaders. We're Christians, right? And, uh, you know, so I have to mouth some words, which hopefully would sound like prayer. Uh, And uh, people would then say, okay, so enough of that. We have done the right thing. We have prayed, so let's do the, the fun stuff. And uh, let's go into the real thing that we need to do today, <laughs> because Rev already prayed. And of course, it just it becomes so common. That's part of uh, our profession as Christian leaders and as a pastor, of course. Uh, that's part of my role. You know, people would ask me to pray for the food. And you've noticed, for example, that the older you get, the shorter is your prayer for food. Uh, I noticed that those who are young in the Lord, they, when they're praying for food, it's like they want to pray for Africa and for the rest of the world. <laughs> but those of us who have been walking with the Lord for a long time, we just say, thank you, Lord, let's eat. <laughs> and of course, people will always ask me to pray for all sorts of things, and I'm sure they mean well. I, I don't want to criticize those people. And I don't want to let them down and say, I don't want to pray because really, for me, prayer is a very sacred thing, and a very very personal thing, and I do believe that I don't, I, I don't have the first word when it comes to what goes on in this world. God has the first word. It does not say that in the beginning was my prayer. <laughs> in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. God always has the first word. And when I wake up in the morning, I don't even, you know, I'm not the one who's starting the universe and saying, okay, here, Lord, I'm awake, so let's start the world. Because when I wake up, God has already been doing His work. And I come in in the middle of it to participate. I'm a participator, not an initiator. And so I believe that uh, prayer for me is a very sacred thing and a very solemn kind of thing that I just don't go in and mouth some words and say, oh God, you know. And that's what I, I was thinking about. And I was thinking about the prayer of a leader. You know, how do leaders pray? Is there a certain way that leaders pray? I don't know if you have heard people or leaders, when they pray, they suddenly change. I don't know what happens. The the tone, you know, the changes, hallelujah, (laughs) you know, the seriousness of the face, you know, just to show everybody that I'm holier than most people, because I get to talk with God most of the time. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong, I still do those things, but it just, sometimes it's hard for me. Uh, that's part of my, my job, you know. People would ask me to pray for their car, for their dog, for whatever it is that they want me to pray for. And I have to say, okay, let's pray for your dog, you know. Uh, and sometimes I want to scream out and say, do we really have to pray for your dog? <laughs> I mean, he's dead, come on. So, anyway, just, <laughs> I'm, I don't want to make fun of people. But anyway, so I just thought of uh, entitling this sermon as the Secret Prayers. Of leaders, because I think what is more important is not so much what we pray for or how we pray in public, because I think some of you here here are really very good at that. Uh, but how we actually pray in the secret room when we are alone with God? What are those things that we really cry for in our prayer when we are with God and nobody's around to be impressed by our words? You know, uh, God is not impressed when you. Talk like you know, thou didst. Wherefore? Where am I going? You know, he's not really impressed with that kind of language. He wants something else from us. So I, I've got to learn how to pray in my secret room, where only God can see me, and only God can hear me. I wonder how our prayer is in those places, where there's nobody around, when we're not in public, and we're just laying down our hearts before the Lord. And so. I want to talk about Paul's secret prayers revealed in the book of uh, Ephesians. And uh, I'm sure most of you are familiar with the book of Ephesians. And it's it's a glorious book. It's about the church and all of that. But in this particular book, in three parts of the book, he actually talks about prayer. And in two of them, he actually shares what he was praying about, which is unusual because he's actually telling us what he's praying, most likely not publicly, but when he is in God's presence. But for the sake of his desire to encourage and equip the Ephesians, he wanted to share what he was praying in secret. So I do believe, uh, it's my opinion, you can, you, know, you can correct me later on, all the theologians here and all the exegetes can correct me later on. But I believe in those two parts of the, of the book of Ephesians, he's sharing what he's really praying about most of the time in secret. But for the sake of edifying the church and edifying everyone else, he shares what he was praying for. Now, in the third part, in, the book of, uh, in chapter 6, of course, he talks about you know, uh, how, we can, how the Ephesians can pray for him, and he shares you know, his prayer request at the last part in chapter 6. But in two places, he, he does share with us his uh, secret prayers. And I, I want to focus on that, and I want to identify three characteristics of those prayers in the hope that each one of us... Now, my goal is not to make you feel guilty as leaders, because we already have enough of that. <laughs> Uh, my, my goal really is for us to be able to examine ourselves because, uh, you know, I, I came from this seminary. I'm so thankful to be, to, to be a graduate of this seminary. And uh, I praise God for the education that was given to me, the mentoring and all of, all of that. I would never, uh, you know, uh, I would, that's why I, I came here all the way from San Pedro Laguna. It took me three hours to come here. And when I go home, it will take me another three hours to go home. So that will be six hours, and I'll just, I'll just be speaking to you for 30 minutes. <laughs> That's how much I love you, okay? <laughs> and I was asking Brother Eric Augustine, is there a reward for that? You know, like the longest <laughs> time that you're traveling each time. So I want to talk about these three characteristics in the hope that perhaps we can begin to just uh, examine our secret prayers. The prayers that we actually do when we are not in public. The things that we actually say before God and the priorities that really bears upon our soul when we pray. So let me pray. Now I'm going to pray right now in public, but let us pray and let's ask the Lord to just uh, help us with this kind of uh, 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 subject matter that we need to look into. Lord, uh, we are quite aware of our tendency to trivialize prayer because prayer Most of us here, if not all of us, are fully devoted to the work of the Lord and it's part of our job, Lord, to always pray and we're always praying all the time in many different situations and sometimes if we're not careful, Lord God, we can just be treating prayer as something very common, ordinary and not sacred anymore and I know for myself and for others here, we don't want to get into that kind of sin Where we no longer treat the holy things of God as if they're holy, but instead they're just ordinary, Lord. So I pray that today you may call us back to the north point of our faith, to where it should be facing. And I ask you right now, Lord, that you speak to us and use me, Lord, in your mercy, that I may be able to share some thoughts on this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I want to... Start with Ephesians chapter 1, where we find uh, the prayer of Paul. He's sharing his prayer. And um, as we read this, he says, for this reason. He's talking about the spiritual blessings of God, and he's really quite excited about that. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, that is what triggers the prayer of Paul. Just to know that the believers in Ephesus came to know the Lord and came to understand the gospel and the good news about Jesus Christ, that really excites him and that motivates him and stimulates him to just pray. And he says this, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So he's now about to share with us what he prays about, Okay. And then he says this, I keep asking, which means that this is not just a one-time thing, right? This is not something that he prays, you know, just casually say, oh, Lord, you know, hear my prayers. And then he forgets about it. This is something that that is just ongoing, that just, it's a burden in his heart. So he says, "I, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, he says, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That is the burden in his heart. I pray, he said, he was telling the Ephesians, this is my prayer for you. He already knows that they are believers. They are Christians already. But he's saying, my prayer for you always is that you may get to know the Lord better and better and better. And I think that's important because in our world today, sometimes we can replace the aspect of our faith which is really all about personal relationship we replace that with activity and uh, I'm, I'm guilty of that as well as a leader of course I'm more, in, I'm more interested in the things that I can do in the kingdom of God <laughs> and it is really interesting because when we start off mo- I think most of you would agree when you started off in the Christian life somebody told you okay, that Christianity is a personal relationship not a religion and yes, we understand that, we, we accept and we are so glad that that was, you know, that, that information was given to us. And so that, that made our faith really very personal. But something happens along the way, especially when you become a leader. I don't know if you notice noticed that. You become busy with all sorts of things. And sometimes we replace our personal intimacy with the Lord with knowledge about the Lord. And I'm not saying that's not important because we need the knowledge Uh, from God's Word and God's truth, but really being aware and and being, uh, you know, learning how to pay attention to the very presence of God. Uh, Scholars uh, would use the word co-presence. I don't know if you've heard the word co-presence, okay, because there's such a thing as presence, your presence here, for example, but co-presence has to do with your awareness of another person, and God is always present, but we leaders sometimes are tempted, and that's part of, I think, our liability (laughs) We tend to forget that God is present and we think that, you know, that we just call upon the Lord and say, oh God, here we are. We're about to do something for you. Would you just bless it because we're going to be busy afterwards and we don't have time to talk to you. <laughs> but God is present and paying attention requires determination and intentionality and requires discipline. And For me, as, as, a, as, a, as a man, okay, I, I struggle with the idea of being aware of anyone. For example, my wife. So this is confession time. Please don't tell anybody. I think it's being recorded, but maybe my wife will. Don't worry. I, w- I would not say anything bad about my wife. I'm going to t- talk about myself. You see, I have a problem. I don't know how many how many feel like this. Uh, as a man and as a leader, as a, you know, I, I tend to just focus on whoever it is that I'm talking with. Anybody like that? You know, if I'm talking to you, I'm just you know listening, talking to you. I'm not even aware of other people. Anybody here like that? Just me? Okay. Blessed are you among all people. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, so I had that problem. So sometimes my wife and I would be in a party or whatever, and she would be somewhere else talking with somebody, and I would be with somebody else, and I, I got I become oblivious, of course, of her presence, and she's there, talking with the ladies, and I'm talking with the men, and you know we're trying to up one another, you know, get this, you know, and so we're trying to brag. Anyway, so we're we're laughing and, and and smiling and you know cracking jokes, hopefully godly jokes, but uh, anyway. So I wouldn't really be thinking about her; she's somewhere else in the the room. But when we get home, here's what happens. I don't know, wives. I don't know if this happens to you, or husbands, rather. When I get home, my wife approaches me and says, "So, what were you talking about? What with that guy that you were laughing with?" And then she describes the, you know, the the, the, the shirt, the collar. I mean, the, and and she and and he. She would say to me. Well, I saw that you were really enjoying yourself. What was it all about? <laughs> and I would scratch my head and say, How did she do that? You know, she has eyes on her back. <laughs> she can actually see those things. Because I guess I you know, I congratulate the ladies here. You're more gifted in that area. I mean, like you know, ladies may be cooking or doing laundry and they know what's going on with the kids and they know what's you know being shown on TV and they're aware of everything that's going on. Okay? Well, most of us, men, you know, I just were just focused on the you know, computer screen and we, we don't even know what's going on. And, and sometimes my wife would just catch me and say, did you not hear the garbage truck approaching? I said, what garbage truck? The garbage truck. I said, okay, where's the garbage truck? You know, and the garbage truck is right there in front of our house. You know, it's, I wasn't really aware. So in other words, it's really quite a struggle for me to be aware, even of people, how much more of God. And so Paul is praying Praying for, for this, he's praying and asking the Lord for personal faith to really deepen. And I believe that's what the leader should really be interested in, in his work with other people. God has entrusted me with some people in my life that I need to invest my life in. And I realize that my concern is not utilitarian, you know, whether they would help me in my ministry or not. That's not my concern. My concern is: are they able to practice the rhythm of life? So that they don't get so engrossed with things and tasks and activities that their personal walk with the Lord gets compromised. And I realize that as a leader, that is something that I must always be interested in. And each of us here need to be aware of ourselves because I know what life is all about here at IGSL. I've been here. <laughs> so I know the papers can actually pile up, right? <laughs> and the assignments. And if somebody mentions God, you say, God who? You know, like, that's the kind of thing that happens. That's why they have a joke, like, you know, this is not a seminary. This could be a cemetery. I hope it doesn't happen to you, all right? So that's his prayer. He's praying for personal faith to deepen. Now, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Now, most of us, when we think about hope, we're thinking about problems in life, you know, struggles and pains, and let's, hope, let's pray that we can have hope. But the context here is all about is all about their spiritual growth. He says, he continues on the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The context here, and he's saying, I, I'm praying for you, people, in Ephesus, that you may just be filled with the hope that really passes all understanding, because there is a power available for your life to transform you. And then he goes on. He says That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. So Paul is saying, look guys, he's saying, this power that is available in your life, nothing can stop it, not even death." And he goes on. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. In other words, say whatever you want to say. Call upon any problem, you know, mention anything that might be difficult in your life. That's peanuts when it comes to the Lord and His power. And then He goes on. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So, this is really an eternal kind of power, not a temporary one. And He says, And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. So, I'm asking. Paul, what do you really pray about? What's your burden? I believe he's praying for real hope to be strengthened. And the context here, I, I believe, has to do with our own personal walk. And, and the people that God has entrusted to me are going through all kinds of struggles as they try to live and follow the the demands of the gospel in their lives. You know, when when I got married, or before I got married, I used to think that I was really a nice fellow. Like, you know, my wife is really fortunate, you know. And um, I used to think that uh, she should really thank the Lord for me, you know, because she's marrying me, my goodness. You know, so. And then in the middle of our marriage, I realized, you know, when you get into an intimate relationship, you, you know, something happens. Intimacy brings nakedness. And I don't mean to say just physical nakedness. But everything just begins to open up in your life. And, and that can be really scary, really, because your wife really gets to know you more than sometimes you even know yourself, and vice versa. And the things that you thought were not there inside your heart suddenly comes out. I I remember there was one time, I I can't recall what we were uh, fighting about. You know, Christians do fight sometimes in their, amen? Yeah. I love my wife. She loves me too, I hope. So anyway, we we were fighting about something, and you know what what happened? Because I, I could not win the fight, all right? That's another thing that I learned in marriage, okay? <laughs> disagree, you know, don't disagree anymore, okay? But anyway, I, I, was, I was fighting about something. I forgot what it was. And uh, it ended up in a stalemate. We couldn't agree. And, I, you know, and I, I was so upset. I was so mad. And so I did not speak to her. Not just for a day, but for several days. As in, we would walk, you know, we would see each other. And I would go, like, the Samaritan, you know, I, I would just go the other way. I would not even talk to her. And she would sometimes tell me, okay, the the food is ready. Would you like to eat? And I would stand up and eat and go back to my room, and I would not speak. I thought I was a nice guy. Only to realize that there was so much pride in me. And just naming that as pride and this arrogance that I need to have my way all the time was really shocking for me and very disappointing. Because you know what Christian leaders tend to hear most of the time, especially preachers, right? Those of you who preach, after you preach, rather. Your wife would say to you something like, you practice what you preach, you practice what you preach. (laughs) And that's the kind of thing that you don't want to hear, right? But uh, They really drill that into you, right? So, Okay, you're very good in your exegesis, now apply that in your life. And those are the times I begin to be hopeless about myself, especially if I keep repeating the same thing. And Paul understands that people who are walking with the Lord day by day experiences all types of brokenness and inconsistency in themselves that they sometimes give up on themselves. I know Christian leaders who are so ashamed of their own failures that they could not even stand up anymore or... They try to pretend. They try to cover it up with, you know, activity. In fact, I'm so afraid of some leaders who are not honest enough to, to pay attention to the things that God may be dealing with them in their hearts. And paying attention to the, the flaws and the things that God may be, you know, just exposing through experiences is terrifying, I know. But that's when Paul is saying, I pray that you that you're hope in the Lord Would not disappear because this is so important as we seek to follow the Lord. We will come face to face with our own sinfulness, our own arrogance, and our own pride. And I know some of you are saying, me? I'm not proud. You're proud. (laughs) You just said it. We all have hidden faults. We all have hidden sins. And God in His mercy is more interested in who we are becoming than what we are accomplishing. And sometimes He allows certain things in our lives that we don't like. And that's why Paul, when he's praying, he's saying, I'm really praying that the Spirit of God will just give you hope. And I know as a pastor, those are the kinds of things that I need to pray for because as a pastor, you know how many of you would say, ministry is is, is really fantastic, except for the people, right? (laughs) I mean, I I love preaching and all of that. That's the fun part. The hard part is when you're dealing with broken marriages and, you know, homosexuality or sexual deviation, whatever it is that you have to deal with, the brokenness. That's why sometimes when you are in a situation like this, where, oh, look at the people around you. They're so godly, my goodness. Look at the person beside you. He's like an angel. (laughs) A fallen one. (laughs) But seriously, he's praying for personal faith to deepen. He's praying for real hope to be strengthened. And then as I go to chapter 3, the most wonderful prayer of all that Paul actually just opens up his clothes, so to speak, and says, I want you to know what goes on in my closet as I pray for you. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And then he goes on, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul is more interested interested in the formation of God's people and what's going on in their hearts and how they're being transformed from glory to glory, becoming and being, you know, like the image of God in them is being revealed more and more as each day uh, goes on. He's interested in that, and he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Sometimes as a pastor, I'm really more interested in how the church is growing, how many people, and I remember when I was just planting the church, I was really counting everybody who was present, and every time, the, you know, the, the number is low, I feel so depressed. And then I, sometimes I will attend a church where they have the large number of attendants, and I would criticize the preacher, and I would say, he's not a graduate from IGSL, I know. You know. <laughs> but how come he has more people? So I, I used to really be burdened with, with attendance and people are, you know, thinking about attendance and buildings and cash all the time, but Paul is not interested in those things. He said, I'm interested in how you are growing in the love of God. And then he goes on, may have power together with all the, whole, the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. He's sharing with us his deepest thoughts on this issue. And to know that his, this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is what Paul is praying in his secret room. He's saying basically for divine love to break all barriers. You know, this... Last year, one of the speakers at the GLS was T.D. Jakes. And he was a controversial guy. I don't know if you know him. First of all, he comes from that branch of Christianity that some of us don't like. But also because he's identified with the Unitarianism, you know, like he, you know, he's a oneness kind of person before. That was before, a long time ago. But Christianity Today featured him, you know, changing his theology and now becoming Trinitarian, you know. So, But that didn't help him at all. After he spoke at the GLS, people were still criticizing. And there was even one person who came to me that, you know, and he said, if, if that guy speaks, I, I would not attain or... You know, this, this is one of the saddest things that I've experienced in my life is that as I approach the church, the church is supposed to be the place of love. But often in the church, I, I encounter a lot of, You know, uh, labeling and rejection and, you know, we're from this camp and we're from that camp. I went to this group and I said, would you like to attend the GLS? And he said, well, what kind of groups do attend that kind of summit? And I said, well, you know, all kinds of people. And he mentioned a denomination. Does this denomination attend the Global Leadership Summit? I I said, yes, I think so. Well, we will not attend. I said, why? You know, because, you know, they, they don't have the same doctrine as us but we're not going to debate about doctrine. I said, we're going to listen about leadership so we can all grow and become better leaders. What's wrong? And I heard that you GLS GLS people are sometimes inviting uh, speakers who are not Christians. I said, so what's wrong? Well, you know, I I would not listen to anyone who does not have a verse to prove what he says. I said, well, when you go to the doctor and he tells you that you're sick of something, do you ask for a verse? (laughs) Because seriously, I believe that Paul is praying for divine love to break all barriers in the church. Because there's so many people who need the Lord. And recently, I have been slowly shifting my gears. Because for many years, I'm just addressing Christians in the church. And I'm slowly shifting my gears so that I may have a healing for, for those or from those who may not belong to the church. And I've been criticized for that. For example, I don't put verses in some of my posts. In most of my posts, anyway. And somebody asked me, Pastor, where's your verse for that? And I said, I'm sorry, I'm not talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) And so finally, I just want to share this with you. I'm I'm going to leave you with this idea. That what the leader prays in secret defines his leadership. It's not so much what you pray for in public. You can be holy and godly when you pray in public. "Oh, Oh, Lord, my God. But what do you really pray for in private? In secret. And when you are dealing with people and leading them, what is really the priority in your heart for those people? That their personal faith may deepen. That their hope in the Lord will be strengthened so that they would not give up the Christian fight. And that love will break all barriers so that wherever God puts them, they will become salt and light. I hope that all of us will begin to focus on that in our secret prayers because the world is dying and sometimes we the church are so engrossed in our own little world in our four walls the world needs the gospel for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes and we need to just pray that our people who just have a personal faith that is so deep that will transform them and that their hope We just enable them to persevere and fight the good fight, and that their love will just break all boundaries so that the people who do not know the Lord, who are far from God, can hear the good news. That's my prayer for you, and I hope that's your prayer for me. Let's bow our heads.